1: 4.37, it is the time of the week where we take some of the many stories that Dan Earth. So, so, so many. There's so many stories. Stories throughout the week. You send them to me every morning. Yes, I do. And some I, I look at, some I don't, some I'm excited about. Some you're not. Some I'm not. That's and right. sometimes we just don't have enough show. Not enough time? Well, most of
2: the time. I mean, that's... They're, they're all great. Yeah, there's a lot of great stories. They're all great. just don't have the opportunity
1: to really... And what we've in. done is thematically put them together. Yes. Not to make you feel bad, but because hearing about other disasters can sometimes make you feel better about your own miserable it can, life. It can offer some perspective, and that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's sure. what I meant. Yeah, offers perspective. Sure. Right. Let's go with that. That's more positive. I like that. So let's get started with disaster number one. Jason, disaster number one, we talked plenty on this show about the invasive species in the southeastern
2: United States, specifically the state of Florida. Yeah. Well, there's a new one. Uh-oh. There's a new invasive species that they're worried about. So Florida has at least 40 more invasive species to worry about, along with some unexpected creatures topping the list, according to a recent horizon scanning study. This is one of those ones where, they're like, we have a problem. Let's see how many more problems are lying ahead okay. of us. Okay. All right. That's good. The study was led by the University of Florida scientists, and they assessed 460 species that had not yet been recorded in Florida for their potential harm should they be introduced. Right. The state's already known for an infestation of Burmese pythons. That's one of my favorites. That's a good one. Yeah. Which have caused such devastations in the Everglades that the state will actually pay you to hunt the Burmese pythons. The study helps to get ahead of those devastating effects, By identifying ecological threats for conservation officials. Okay. So among the species identified as the most likely invaders were... Is it the feral pig? They got feral pigs down there. there. The alewife? I have no idea what that is. The alewife? The alewife, yes. The zebra mussel, we're very familiar with that up here, of course. And the red swamp crayfish. These are according to uh, Dia Lawrence, a co-author of the study. But it's the fourth species that topped the list that surprised. These even... are all fish. The alewife is a, is a fish. fish. Okay. I was going to
1: make like a Mark Stuttrud's Summit Brewing joke. I don't and... know why you wouldn't. I mean, just that's go ahead. Ale... It's right there. Wife. So according to
2: the study, uh, it's this fourth species that's got people talking. Okay. It's a monkey. What? And, and I don't know how to, I meant to look this up. It's a, It's a. So the the name of the monkey is M-A-C-A-Q-U-E. Macaque. Sure. We'll go with that. It's the crab-eating macaque, as a matter of fact. Uh, looking at the potential inf- impacts, this study author said, you know, what's, you know that's Makaque. the one that really alarmed Makaque. her. Macaque. Macaque? Okay, I know don't... that. She explained that in addition to ecological damage, they could have a human impact as well. The species relative, the rhesus macaque, is already established in Florida <laughs> yeah. and carries a deadly strain of herpes that the crab-eating macaque could become carriers for.
1: I think it's just macaque.
2: Okay. I was really hoping that wasn't it. Yeah. Uh, Further, this particular monkey uh, is already in the state for biological testing. Okay. So it's already there, and they're worried that it's going to get out, and then it's going to spread, and then you're going to have everybody having crabs, apparently.
1: Wow. Wow.
2: That's a disaster, Jason. Yeah. That's an ecological disaster waiting to happen. Not
1: only is it a... With our friends in Florida. ...scarily named. Yeah. But it also... So it's called the macaque, and it carries a deadly strain of herpes. Yes. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. All right. Great news for Florida middle school boys, though. (laughs) Like a lot of material for them. Or those of us with the maturity of a Florida middle school Correct. One of the two. All
2: right. Uh, Disaster number two, Jason. Yep. A food handler at an Olive Garden restaurant in New Jersey tested positive for hepatitis A,
1: according
2: to county health officials uh, on Thursday. The employee at the Olive Garden worked while infected between December 26th and December 30th, according okay. to the announcement. So, yeah. you know, nobody going out to dinner during that particular time. Right. Hepatitis A, of course, is a viral illness with symptoms including abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, mm. tiredness, yeah. poor appetite. Well, that probably goes with the, the vomiting, uh, jaundice, and this is my favorite dark urine. Sure. Symptoms usually appear within two to seven weeks after exposure. Anyone who previously received a hepatitis A vaccine, of course, is not at risk. Yeah. Those who are unvaccinated face actually a low risk, but the risk may be lowered further by getting vaccinated within two weeks of exposure. Those who are unvaccinated believe they may have been exposed are encouraged to contact their healthcare provider. Uh, the Olive Garden spokeswoman would like to say that the ill front of the house team member last worked 10 days before they were diagnosed and will not be permitted to return to work until officially being released by a doctor. Uh, Quote, we place the highest priority on having the cleanest and safest restaurants in the in the industry across the country. Many local health departments, many local health departments point to our standards as a model for other companies to follow. Many people are telling us that we're all very healthy as our front of the house person has hepatitis. A. I
1: I mean, the good news is it is. All you can eat, hepatitis, I mean, so it's unlimited. Yeah,
2: it is unlimited. Which is joke? I think I saw. Is that the right one? That's a pretty, that's a pretty good one, yeah. Is,
1: I mean, I don't, I don't know what their slogan is anymore. It used to be, when you're here, you're family. Right. Which, well, you know.
2: You know, families share viruses, I guess. Yeah. There's that. All right. Uh, this next one, disaster number three, I'm taking kind of personally.
1: I'm sad he didn't test positive for a Cappellini Pomodoro. <laughs> that is my favorite. That is my is that, favorite. That's your favorite one? Okay. That's my favorite dish there. Pomodoro? Am I saying that right? (laughs) I have no
0: idea. I'm probably not saying.
1: But I didn't know how to name the monkey. What is your favorite Olive Garden dish? Like, obviously, everyone likes the salad and the breadsticks. The breadsticks, yeah. But I like it was. It's like a thin pasta. Uh, That's my. I'll come up with. I'll look this up. Just hopefully, this
2: guy didn't sneeze on it. Uh, Disaster number three. I'm taking very personally. After an 80-year-old Australian girl noticed several people getting swooped at by her school's resident magpie, she decided to research their behavior. The survey she created has since gone viral, helping her to discover that bald men are more likely to get attacked than those with long hair. Oh, no. Emma Glenfield keeps a journal full of questions to help her think about the world. She came up with her latest question when she noticed a magpie near her school, known as Mr. (laughs) Swoops-A-Lot, attacking and scaring students, teachers, and parents. Why do magpies, magpies swoop, she said. He's been coming to the school for a long time, and he's been swooping all the dads, she told the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. I noticed that, and I wondered why. Why do they swoop? Where do they target? So she told her teacher about her question, who encouraged her to turn it into a math project. So she said she watched the people who swooped, and she recorded it. Then I got everything I recorded, and I figured out that they, the people that were being swooped, were male, they were tall, and they had thin or receding hair. Following her observations, she created a survey with the help of her mom and handed out flyers with the survey's QR codes to, to students, teachers, yeah. and strangers at the local park. In the survey, she asked participants how old they were, how tall they were, hairstyle, how much they weighed, and if it hurt when there was a result of this right. right, At first, she was excited to learn that 150 people had taken her survey. But a few days later, uh, her mom told her that the survey ended up going viral after somebody posted on Reddit and 30,000 people had submitted <laughs> responses. <laughs> Now, equipped with the experiences from around the world, she was able to determine that people with no hair or thin hair were twice as likely to be attacked by magpies. cute. Additionally, those six feet or taller uh, were twice as likely to be targeted by the birds as well. It's pretty cute.
1: That's not, that's profiling and I don't appreciate it. Yeah, I know. I understand why you categorize this story as a disaster. It is a disaster. But. It's totally a disaster. Bald men being targeted. By not fair. Swooping Magpie. Not, not fair. It's not right. All right, give us a puppy, give us some joy. It is Friday, we need It is Friday, we, we need, need some happiness. Good. So we now turn to the puppies. Okay.
2: And of course, we're getting to the time of the year where the NFL playoffs are kicking
1: off, which means the Super Bowl is right around the corner. Right. And of course, the Super Bowl right around the corner. I heard on the noon news on Channel 4 today they said the Super Bowl is just 30 days away. Yeah. Come on. It's close. <laughs>
2: Close. And, you know, the, if you're talking about the Super Bowl, that means you're talking about it's three, three disasters and? Puppies? It's, the the puppy, oh, bowl. puppy bowl. The puppy bowl. The puppy bowl. Okay, I get it, yeah. And this year, Jason, as very well may have been in past years, but this year for sure, yeah. the puppy bowl is using rescue puppies. Aw. Including two yeah, rescue they, puppies. They, it's
1: always with rescue puppies.
2: Okay, but this year they're doing it as well.
1: <laughs> okay. Two
2: rescue puppies from Paws Across Pittsburgh Animal Rescue will be debuting... In Puppy Bowl 20 on Sunday, February the 11th. Okay. They're named Gertie and Good Girl. And they'll be representing the Steel City in this year's game. In Maine, Portland, Maine, uh, the Animal animal Refuge Leader of Greater Portland has been selected to participate in this year's Puppy Bowl. nice. Two Maine dogs uh, are named Elliot and Jade. Elliot is a mobility service dog for his family. He likes to spend time on the family's boat and her goats and sheep on their farm. And Jade likes to hang out at home with her new family and be taken out in her own backpack. Puppy Bowl 20 will feature 131 dogs from 73 shelters and rescues. Each puppy will be sorted into either Team Rough or Team Fluff.
1: Now, six of the puppies are puppies with special needs. Oh! So most of these are deaf dogs, but they do have... Deaf dogs, did you say? Yeah, yeah. But they do have a... A dog, a papillon, who was born without front legs. Uh-huh. And lived as a stray before the shelter took him in. See? So that's pretty cute. Gotta love the dogs. Gotta love the puppy bowl. Puppy bowl. Puppy bowl. 20 years they've been doing that. How about that, right? Pretty good. Dan, thank you. You bet, Jason. It is 448, Friday, uh, January 12th. We're going to talk uh, a little bit uh, you know, my Twitter feed is generally, if you were to categorize it as uh disaster or puppies, which flaming dumpster fire, <laughs> I believe is the term I use, yeah. So today someone brought up the idea of whether we should vote on one of uh the more inconsequential yet uh highly inflammatory and passionate issues this state has seen. Do you wish we got to vote more? about issues that affect the state. We'll talk about that when we come back here on Drive Time. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app.
0: The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams
1: all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand.